Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. What's going on, everybody? The radicals come back to church a second time in one day. How many of you know coming to church twice in one day will not hurt you? Amen. I, uh, you know, I kind of went back and forth tonight on, on what I wanted to share with all of you. And I'm nowhere, I no way I'm going to have enough time to get everything said that I want to say. Um, but I want you to kind of brace yourself because I'm coming in hot tonight. All right. Um, I, I contemplated talking about the seven arteries of the spiritual heart and how to open those up and have those every area of our life addressed by every artery. And I just didn't feel like empowered to talk about that. So um, I've been concerning myself with something as of late. Um, and I don't know if it's the season that our nation and our globe is in. I don't know if it's just my own experience, my, the pocket that we live in, or uh, it's, this is a function of the Holy Spirit. Um, and the, just, you know, when the Bible says that blessed are or happy are uh, the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And when Jesus starts doing a work in your heart, you start seeing God everywhere. You start seeing, it doesn't mean that you'll necessarily have to wait to heaven to see God. You start seeing God in everything. You start witnessing things. You're like, there's God. Oh, I, I'm watching, you know, I'm watching G.I. Joe, uh, Snake Eyes, and I see God in there somehow, some way. You know, I'm, I'm, everything, you're driving down and you see something. And you, so when God starts moving in your heart and, and he continues, and we, we continue to become more and more aware of the work of the blood of Jesus in our hearts and the renewal that that brings, the more clarity you have in the, in the way that you're navigating your life. And then clarity always precedes empowerment. So the more clear you become, the more power you experience to have impetus to live the life that you love. So um, my brain has just kind of been uh, investigating uh, what is prohibiting God's people. And how many of you know God went through a lot of trouble to get you saved? How many know that he, he tracked you down? He released the hounds of heaven to go find you and, con, and, and love you into conversion and uh, fill you with his Holy Spirit and, and activate his purpose and, and deliver you out of the hands of the devil, like our sister was talking about. And, and then not just deliver you out of the hands of the devil, but to deliver you out of the, out of the residue that is the result of where you came from. And, and, and God has gone through this whole big old thing he, he bankrupts heaven. He, he moves heaven and earth. He surveys the landscape of time and the planet, and he comes up with you. And yet somehow, some way, we continue to live a life that we don't love. I didn't get no amen. I got a hum from this lady. <laughs> Barely, huh? We, we got, now, now I told you I'm coming in hot now. 
And so, so listen, Jesus didn't just die so you could go to heaven. Otherwise, God would let us hold you down at baptism until the bubbles stop. And say, another one made it to heaven. Let's give God some praise. It's not, you didn't just, you didn't just receive Jesus so you can have citizenship in heaven. There's something about what God needs from us on earth. And why would Jesus preach his best sermon, the best sermon that's ever been preached, and it's all about what produces happiness in people? Blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. That means happy are, happy people. Your best version of yourself is, is when you're happy. You're gonna do the best, uh, you're gonna be the most efficient for the kingdom of God when you're guilt-free, shame-free. Uh, you stop experiencing your life in a negative way. You, you give yourself a break from your memories. Come on, somebody. You, the, God wants happy people. Happy is the greatest evangelist that's ever lived. You don't even have to say anything. You just come into a room, you'd be like, what you all happy about? I'm happy about Jesus. That's what I'm happy about. What are you all sad about? So, so Jesus came and did what he did and went through what he went through so you can be happy. So you and I could live a life that we love. So what is the incentive of waking up and what is the culprit behind us waking up to things in our life we don't want in our life for a long, for almost all of our life? Why do you want to live coexisting with something you don't want to coexist with? And I'm not talking about your husband. Come on, somebody. I'm not talking about that. But why do you want to keep, uh, why do you want to keep a partnership with poverty? Why do you want to keep a partnership with depression and addiction and anger and, and competing and comparing? and sadness, and, and phobias, and all kind of weird stuff in our life. Why do we have a relationship with ourself that allows us to stay in things that Jesus died to remove out of our life? What is behind us living below the potential that God called us to live? I'm coming in hot. Don't get mad at me. I don't want to be a visitor for the last time. I've been preaching it for 22 years. Seemed like I did okay this morning. I don't want to wreck it tonight. So, I, but I do, after all my years in the ministry, I, I'm observing, I, I'm asking myself and, and people, why do you want to be saved and addicted? Like, wow, what's the win? Why do you want to be saved and miserable in your marriage? And, and, and you think that if your spouse will change, that's going to cause something. Then, then, you, then they don't change, so you want to exchange because they won't change. And there's ways of making peace with your situation that brings glory to God and brings happiness to you. Why do we want to be in partnership with, uh, with anger and fear and still living, uh, playing the tapes of our dead parents telling us we're never going to be anything and never going to go anywhere and never, and, and we're, we're living our lives overcoming all of this stuff that Jesus literally cut off our past. Like what, what is the incentive? Well, it's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. No, it isn't. Jesus is the way that it is. 
He forgave, cut off, removed. He cut off your past. He, he gave you a future. He filled you with the Holy Spirit. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead raised is in you and it's able to quicken your mortality, your physicality. He's promised you a prosperity and harmony. And you know what? If God, if you want to get married, God wants you married. If you don't want to be married after you're married, that's tough. But if you don't want to get married and you're single, don't get married. Like, it's like you can live happy lives. So why do we live below the potential that costs the kingdom of God its darling? What's up with that? Like, how many more days are we going to live in regret? How many more days are we going to live broke, busted, disgusted, victims, People who manufacture new, new alibis where our excuses are bigger than our dreams, where we've limited our life to the filter of, uh, of us interpreting incoming data through the filter of our pain and our problems and the prognosis and the predicament rather than the Holy Spirit being the filter by which we interpret life. Why don't everything has to, uh, coming into your life has to pass through the Holy Ghost first? Amen, somebody? You got to get through God to get to me. Instead of coming through the door of your goofy upbringing or your regrets or your mistakes. Uh, listen, I know that you aren't perfect, but you're perfect for the kingdom. Otherwise, God wouldn't have picked you. We got a perfect God and he came up with us. There must be something about us. We don't know about us for it to be us. Amen, somebody. I don't know why I wouldn't have picked me. I would not have picked me. I would have picked somebody with mental health. I don't know. I'm happy about it. I'm not mad that God surveyed the landscape of America and came up with this little food stamp, government cheese, government peanut butter, broke down, toe up from the flow up, need a checkup from the neck up kid. I don't know how, why he did that except to give you hope. I don't know why. I don't know why God comes up with what he and who he comes up with. But doggone it, I was not a candidate to be an influencer for the kingdom ever. I don't know if you all know who Jim Brown is. Uh, he's a famous football player. And uh, we got asked, well, he got asked to speak at this NBA game after the uh, Golden State Warriors were playing the Portland Trailblazers. Um, and then there was going to be this night where he was going to speak to everybody in the arena. And um, so he calls me and says, I want you to open for me. I'm like, I get to talk in an NBA arena? Do I get to go to the game first? Yes. We get to go meet the players and all that kind of stuff. And so I decided, yeah, I'll, I'll open for you. And I talked about the fight, the faith, and the finish. And I wasn't supposed to, but I gave an altar call. And about 800 people raised their hands for Jesus. Jim Brown, not even a Christian. He's like, what are you doing? And, and so afterwards, afterwards, he said, what was that? I said, I couldn't help it. And he said, you know, Pastor Steve, and I said, I didn't invite myself, you know, uh, and I'm just, I got to, if I'm in a room with unsaved people, they don't have a chance. And, and uh, he said, you know, Pastor Steve, you're five foot nothing. You're a hundred and nothing. 
you look like nothing, and then you open your mouth. And I said, maybe, just maybe, God is fulfilling the scripture that he picks the foolish things to confound the wise. Amen, somebody? Because you take a, you appraise me, you're like, fool. And then I open my mouth, you're like, wise. Amen? So, so it's important that you understand that we can purge ourselves tonight from what is standing in the way of you living the life that you love. Now, it's going to be a little brutal, but I think you're ready for it. So let me just break down a few scriptures, and then I'm going to say it real quick and then run out of here before I get stoned. Okay, so let me just say a couple things here. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Listen carefully. He's writing to converted Jews, and he says this to them. Therefore... Since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, in other words, the writer of Hebrews is saying, if you just look around you, there are people that are around you that are surrounding you that have been through what you're going through right now. There's people that are on the other side of what you're in the middle of right now. He says, so you are surrounded. If you'll just witness it, if you'll just lift up your head and examine what the generation before you has gone through and how they got through what they went through, and now you're going through what they already went through, I want you to witness the fact that they didn't get stuck where they were. They got through where they were. Now he's saying, now this is, this is what you got to do to get through where you are because this is what works every time. If you'll just witness it, you'll notice that it worked for them. It's going to work for you. Then he goes on to say this. So look, no matter what you're facing, you're in financial difficulty. You, you're having emotional activity that has a negativity. You have a proclivity toward negativity. You're struggling in your family. You don't know what's going to happen in your marriage. You don't know what's going to happen in your future. You know there's a call of God on your life, but it's not clear yet. You don't, you, you're having all kinds of resistance. Contrary winds are blowing. You feel like Jesus is in the boat with you, but he's asleep. There's all kinds of tests going on and turmoil and, and, and all that. If you'll just stop for a second and realize that everybody who's saved has had to pass through that season. And that they got on the other side the same way you're going to get on the other side. Witness it. Witness it. And then he says this. This is heavy stuff, man. He says, so you're going to make it because that's, that's what they did. They made it. And the same Holy Ghost that was in them is in you. And so the reputation of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit never fails. Love never fails. If you keep loving, you keep trusting, you will never stay stuck. You might get stuck, but you ain't going to stay stuck. Okay, now let me keep going. He says, so because of that, let us... Take the personal responsibility to lay aside everything that's weighing us down and the sin that is so easily entangling us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How do we do that? Well, first thing we need to understand is the stuff that's weighing us down and tripping us up and tripping us out have got to be voluntarily given up. 
How do you voluntarily give up what's tripping you up and tripping you out and weighing you down? Why is it weighing you down in the first place? Why is it tripping you up and tripping you out in the first place? Do you not understand that pre-sin garden disposition, before Adam and Eve fell, they did not have a care in the world. They didn't even care about fashion. <laughs> which I don't know how they didn't care about fashion. I care about fashion. I got to keep up on fashion. I am constantly correcting Vanderklok's fashion. Constantly. <laughs> I'm like, come here, man. What is with those shoes? It's like, what, Hage? They're red. I'm like, you made fun of my blue shoes. He goes, I picked these out. I'm like, Wonderful. And those jeans that you have on, those are perfect. Did I buy those for you? He goes, no. I said, you're growing. <laughs> he has some cool, like, skinny jeans on. You know, and I was like, you are looking sexy, Pastor. I, what I, I could sense my influence on you. <laughs> I love to take Dwayne Vanderklok uh, shopping because he's like, really? I'm like, put this on, man. Put this on. And then it looks good on him. So anyway... Uh, but Adam and Eve didn't care nothing about fashion. Why? They were naked and not ashamed. I get the naked part. I don't get the not ashamed part. Amen, somebody? I'm like, oh, Lordy. My belly, my belly button used to be an innie and now it's an Audi. And I had that happen. <laughs> anyway. So this is how... This is how you get rid of that stuff. Listen, they didn't have a care. So you are not, after you have been born again, you have no faculty in your humanity to carry your own care. Do you understand that there is nothing about you that God made? God didn't give you an ability to carry your care. Because you were never made by God to carry cares. You were made by God to cast your cares. He said, cast your cares on me. Why? Because you can't carry them. Why do you think there's so much medicating of ourselves and doing dumb, destructive things because we are carrying what we care about? I just care. You're not supposed to care. You're supposed to receive that he cares for you so he'll carry what you care about and all you care about is that he cares about you. You are not made by God to carry what you're concerning yourself with. How many of you know it, it doesn't work when you care too much about your kids? You give God charge of your kids and then you give God charge of what you care about and then you trust that he cares more about what you care about than what you care about. Otherwise, you get all emotionally messed up. You get weighed down. You got to start taking shots to cope. Amen? You can't cope. You lose hope. You smoke dope. You get a rope. Come on. It's just, it's a mess. It's a mess. It's a mess. Why? Because you are not built by God to carry cares. You're built by God to cast your cares. There's nothing in you to care. Why is it weighing you down? Because you can't carry what you care about. Cast it on him. And the sin that so easily entangles you, you just get tripped up. It's a mist that causes a mess. How do you do this? Fixing 
your eyes on Jesus. Nothing, oh, nothing in your life is about you. I'll say it if you live it. (laughs) Nothing in your life is about you. Where we get messed up is when we make our Christian experience about us. Okay, you, okay, I'm, I'm never going to finish, but I got to hurry. So, 2 Corinthians 5.15, he died for everybody so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose on their behalf. Should no longer live for, should no longer. That means you used to be living for you, but now after conversion on the other side of the cross, you are no longer living for yourself. Because when you live for yourself, what are you doing? You're being weighted down by stuff that shouldn't be your responsibility to carry. And then you have misses, you keep missing and it's causing a mess. Why is there a mess? Why is your life a mess? It started with a miss. You aim for something and you hit, you were aiming for the cow and you hit the tree. You missed and it wasn't, it wasn't your intention, but now you have a mess because you have a miss. That's the sin that so easily entangles us and the weight that weighs us down. How did this happen? We got our eyes on ourselves and off of him. We started making our Christianity about us and how we were doing instead of about him and how he's already done. If your life is about you and your efforts bringing self-glory, then you're taking God's glory. Our life is to give him glory. If it's bringing you glory, it's not him. If it's bringing him glory, it is him. Our life, I'm constantly asking myself, are my efforts bringing me glory or bringing him glory? Because if I'm working, God's resting. But if I'm resting, he's working. I just want to rest in the blessed. I just want to be that person. I'm not perfect at it, but doggone it, I'm done, by and large, living for myself. It just is icky. Colossians 3, verse 4. When Christ, who is our life? is revealed and will appear with him also in his glory. When Christ, who is our life? So, in the next few moments that I've left myself, what is the enemy of you living your full potential in God? Ego and self-absorption. Ego and self-absorption. Now, (laughs) y'all all all right? If we are going to live the life that we love, we will ultimately have to confront our egos and our navel-gazing. Like, what are you doing? I'm looking at my navel. My nose is stuck in my navel. Everything that happens in my life is running through how it affects me. You want to lose living the life that you love? Start making everything in your life about you. 
If there's anything in your life that is below God's potential, you can trace it back to ego and self-absorption. Now, let me explain a little bit more. You all all right? I told you I was coming in hot. The Bible says that humility, let me say it like this. The word of God has got to pass over the threshold of humility to even get into our souls. The Bible says, receive with humility the word implanted, which is able to save your soul. If you lack humility, God's word can't even get into your life. God's word passes over humility. It's got to go through humility. God's word won't work through ego or self-absorption. Yikes. So, the Bible says that we're, this is, a, this is a heavy verse, but, but it says, James chapter 121, this is really crazy because in, in, in the Psalms, it says that he gave his word and it healed them. Psalm 107, it says he sent his word and it healed them. His word healed them. What healed them? His word. Well, his word can't even get into your life unless you first humble yourself. And until we first confront our ego and our self-absorption, God's word can't even come in and heal us when we need to be healed. So the first thing that we have to do is our responsibility of saying, my life now is all about you, Jesus. It says the entrance of his word brings life and it brings understanding. Listen, we can't even understand until we first get God's word in our life, but God's word has to first cross over the threshold of our volunteered humility. Man, it's quiet in here. <laughs> and this is why we have continual trouble in our lives. This is why we as Christians who have the power of a spirit that's holy in our life, but not driving our life. And there's things in our life where we as pastors go, what are, what? You've been a Christian for 30 years and you're there? Why? Ego. Your ego is holding off the light and the healing. Because somehow ego has convinced us that we can do this better than God. And we get to pick and choose what part of the Bible we're going to apply to our lives. And then we wonder why we don't love our lives. Ah! Still coming in hot. You have to confront this. So listen to this. James 1.21 says this. He's talking to Christians, and let me explain it to you. Don't get mad at me. You guys glad you came? Okay, 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 okay. Uh, uh. It says this, therefore, laying aside and ridding ourselves, ridding ourselves, rid not, not God, take this from me. No, God's like, kick it out of your life. Christianity has a high cal has a high level of personal responsibility attached to it. God doesn't do it all for you because he's already done it all. But at some point, we're going to have to give him the, the steering wheel. At some point, we're going to have to go, you know, 
the long and winding road has led me to your door, God. And I'm going to have to give up all this stuff that's given me the life I don't want. What's the incentive to keep doing this? We can be happy people. We can be prosperous people. We cannot be mad at anybody anymore. We can be people that don't have enemies that we made. I mean, I have enemies, but they're not my enemies. I'm their enemy. I don't, hey, I'm sorry. I'd like to get along with you. But for whatever reason, you don't. So it says, ridding yourself of all filthiness. Now, what does that mean? James, Jesus' brother, half-brother, is saying to Christians, you got to get rid of what's filthy. Now, what does that mean, that the blood of Jesus left some dirty places? Like, he got most of you, but there's still some of that. you got to get rid of that. The, Jesus goes, it's almost finished and died. No. Filthiness means the areas in your life where you have devalued the work of grace. The work of grace has addressed every single thing in your life. If you devalue it, it shows up as something that's contaminating your call because your call is only the result of your calibration to the work of grace in your life. So when James is saying, get rid of filthiness, he's like, stop telling grace it won't work in your relationship. It won't work in your money. It won't work in your past. It won't work in your marriage. It won't work with your kids. Stop devaluing grace's work in your life. Get rid of what's causing you to stay dirty. What makes us dirty? Ego. Thinking you don't need grace to do it. You guys all right? Okay, okay, I'm almost done because I got to go. Oh, I got like five minutes. Okay, let me keep going. No, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. You guys don't have to answer to Dwayne. I do. He said, and everything that remains of wickedness in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your soul. What, what, what remains of wickedness? Wickedness carries with it this idea that you twist truth with lies, like a wick. So you got one strand of truth and two strands of lies, and you twist it, and it's a wick, and it has some truth to it, but it doesn't have all the truth to it. And he says, stop twisting the truth around your ego. Because it's with humility that you receive the word of God implanted and then it saves the way that you think, the way that you feel, and what you want to do. God's word brings light and healing into your life and mine. Amen? So, okay. So let me return to my original premise. Ugh. I'm going to have to invite myself back <laughs> because I, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to talk pastor into letting me come another Sunday night when I'm in town or around here somewhere and, and uh, finish this because, but let me, let me read this. Ego 
and self-absorption ignore Jesus's work on the cross and what was accomplished for us. Remember in Ephesians 4.10, and this is how we live below our potential in God. Every area of your life you're living below your potential in God, you will find ego and self-absorption running that area of your life. That's how you know, that's how you can recognize it. That's how you can pinpoint it, man. You can go, look, I'm, I know there's more for me than this. If you just go back and examine it, you'll find that there's too much of you involved. And don't ask me how I learned this. It learned, I learned it through observing others and their trouble. <laughs> I personally have never had a problem with any of what I'm talking to you about. Okay, so... Ephesians 4.10 says this, and then it's a wrap. He says, he who descended is himself also he who ascended far above the heavens. Okay, watch this. So Jesus descended. Now he started in heaven, right? This isn't rocket science. Or as my wife would say, rocket surgery. But anyway, let me keep on going. Um, <laughs> sorry. So... So he who descended, he had to descend from somewhere. He descended from heaven. So how many of you know that Jesus descended with a purpose? He would have never descended without first carrying a purpose for which to descend for. He came to accomplish something, but he had to leave heaven to accomplish what needed to be accomplished. So he descended from heaven to earth. It says, he who descended is also he who ascended. So how many of you know that he couldn't go back until what he came down to do got done? So the reason why Jesus was able to go back is what he came here to do got done. So the last part of that verse says that he might fill all things. So what did Jesus come to do? He came to fill all things. He went back. How do, so what, what happened? Everything got full. In other words, you're full. There's no deficiency. God took care of every nook and cranny and every issue and everything that you cared about, everything that you concerned yourself about, your kids, your money, your marriage, your masculinity, your femininity, your needs, your, your wants, your destiny, your empowerment, your health, your wealth. Every single thing is already deposited in you. You're already full. How do I know? Because he went back. So when we operate from a place of saying, I got this, we're actually devaluing and dismissing the fact that he came and already did it. And the only way we can unravel what he came to do and got done is by inserting ourselves and say, I'll do this now. I'll go my way in my marriage. Let me know how that works out for you. I'm going to go my way in my money. I'm going to go that my way in the way I navigate the planet, how I have interpersonal relationships, how I decide to love or not love, decide to forgive or not forgive. I got this. What about the Bible is unclear about the kind of lives we're called to live? And what intercepts what God says? What we say. And then, thank you for the golf clap. 
<laughs> okay, so listen. It's like I missed a putt and two people. Okay, so anyway. <laughs> if we will move out of the way, if I can have that great guy on the piano, that'd be great. If, uh, if you're here, thank you. Thank you so much. But, and you could start playing. I don't want you to just sit there like the guy on Sunday mornings. Okay, anyway. <laughs> I look back, he's like, okay, go ahead. <clears throat> no, that guy's sweet. But if we will make a divine determination right here and right now to let God's grace do it. By grace, you've been saved, lest anyone boast. It's not of yourself. There's nothing about self that mixes with grace. If anyone wants to be my disciples, disciple, he's got to deny himself, pick up his personal forgiveness, the cross, you have to pick up personal forgiveness. That your cross, you're actually forgiven and empowered. You can't be his disciple unless you deny yourself and understand that you're his. He bought you. Pick up your cross. That's what it did. It purchased you. The cross isn't like, and you got to carry the cross. No, Jesus carried the cross. You don't have to carry a cross. You have to pick it up. You have to pick up the result of the cross and make it yours. Forgiveness, empowerment, citizenship. You're his child. You're in the family of God. What are you trying to tell God what to do? It's irrational to be afraid. It's irrational to be offended. It's irrational to compete and to compare. It's, in, it's irrational to be approval addicts. It's irrational. If we're Christians, you know what's rational? Loving. You know, in the last days, God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. That means flesh can cooperate with spirit. And how many of you know that the DNA of spirit carries, well, spirit carries the DNA of its sender. So whatever spirit was sent, it's carrying the DNA of the sender. That's why God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit. What's the DNA of God's spirit? Love. Love. God is love. So when we are, have his spirit on our flesh, the way it works out is that we love one another. That's why Paul told Timothy, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. Why? Because fear carries the DNA of who sent it. The devil. Has it ever dawned on you that the devil's afraid? He's afraid of love. That's love casts out fear. Fear doesn't cast out love. Love shows up, fear is going, poof, it's got to go. So the devil is afraid of love. That's why, uh, that's why the racial tension that's why the political tension. 
That's why the economic tension, it gets us gripped with fear. Why? Because fear and love cannot operate in the same person simultaneously. You got to pick one. And so if the devil can keep you afraid, it's not to keep you afraid. It's to stop you from love. And that's the spirit that you've been baptized with. The inauguration of the deterioration of a divine connection is the introduction of selfishness. If you want to ruin a relationship, get ego about it. You want a relationship to be awesome, be humble about it. If you're humble, let me say this, and I gotta stop. No, no, I got a message. Be done or you're done. Okay, so listen. No, I know. I care way more about pastor than you. I'm not kidding. Humility is easy when you're loyal. If you put the work in to have loyalty, saying I'm sorry ain't no thing but a chicken wing. I don't have a problem being humble because I've already put the work in to be loyal. The reason why you fight for the right, you fight for your, is because if you look at it, you're not really loyal to the relationship. If you're loyal to the relationship, humility ain't nothing but something to do. I'm sorry. Well, actually, we're gonna find out later that it was her fault, but I'll take responsibility. <laughs> that happens often with us. Just kidding. I gotta stop. Close your Bibles, let me pray for you. I'm just gonna put a comma, not a period. I'm gonna try to come back. I'm gonna try to invite myself, that's what I'm doing right now. But will you just put all your stuff down? And will you lift your hands and surrender? if you want to, or just surrender in your heart. But usually the universal sign of surrender is lifting your hands. Like, I'm not trying to hold a gun to your back, but just voluntarily. And will you ask the Holy Spirit to baptize you afresh in the Spirit of God, the Spirit of love, the Spirit of Jesus being on the throne of your heart? Will you rid yourself of anything that minimizes and devalues grace's work in your life? Will you stop trying to get strokes and put your praise on? And Holy Spirit, I just ask you to fill this place with a fresh baptism of fire and of love. And we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And we know at the right time you're going to exalt us as we exalt you. And Lord, let this house burn with a love for your word and your people and humility and servitude and forgiveness and generosity. And I pray you bless exceedingly abundantly every person in this place in Jesus mighty name now put your hands down keep your heads bowed if you're here today you're hearing me on live stream wherever you are 
and you're saying, I'm not right with God. Man, Steve, I now know the reason why I'm not right with God. I'm ego-driven. I'm self-absorbed. God's been trying to cross over the threshold into my heart, and I've been holding him off with me. Will you, with humility, bow out and give God access to your heart right here and right now? And everyone pray this prayer. And those of you who are at home or wherever you are watching, pray this out loud. But everyone say with me, Heavenly Father, I humble myself. And I receive the grace of God that is saving my soul right here and right now. Lord, I give you everything. I'm holding nothing back. You have all access to my heart and my life. I want to live my life bringing you glory. And I'm never going to stop telling your story in Jesus' name. Now keep your heads bowed, eyes closed. You prayed that prayer and you meant it. I'm going to count to three. And I want you to just put your hand up and put it down. If you prayed it, you got right with God. You came to God. You came back to God. You got right with the Lord in that moment. Ready? One, two, just lift it up and put it down. When I say three, ready? Three, lift it up and put it down. Wow, all over. Lord, seal the deal with the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen, look at me. I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you for letting me holler at you for a little bit. Go live the life that you love, okay? Go live the life that you love. Give God some praise in here. Amen. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly, so join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.